This is the Green Student Ministries High School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. Um, yeah, good morning. So as I was saying, um, back in high school, I um, was learning how to play the guitar, um, and so I was learning just new songs, and I was kind of in this weird, not mainstream kind of hipster phase where I was like, I want to learn songs that nobody knows. That way when I play, they'd be like, what's that song? Like, that's so cool. But what I quickly found out was that, um, man, people, people like to hear songs they know. <laughs> like, you, you want to you wanna be able to sing along and, and do things like that, and so this morning, the psalm that we're going to be in um, actually is, is not very popular. Um, you're not going to find it on a bookmark or maybe probably sticky noted to someone's mirror or something like that. It's really not that, that popular. But back in the day um, in Israel, it was actually, it was a popular song. Um, this was a song of ascent, meaning that this is a psalm that they would sing when they would travel uh, to their festivals to Jerusalem. And so this morning, maybe I'm, I'm keeping with my old habits, um, or maybe I'm actually just reviving an old classic for us. Um, and so this, this classic was not found for me on a Spotify recommended playlist. Um, it wasn't in a movie soundtrack. It was a psalm that um, God, at a time in my life, through his Holy Spirit, uh, just, just showed me and taught me in a, in a time that I really needed it. Um, and so kind of to paint a quick picture of where I was at uh, when God showed me this psalm, I had just gotten out of a multiple-year relationship that I was in um, all through college, and so I had moved to a new city for that relationship to kind of keep it going, and so obviously I was not there for that reason anymore, and so I was in this brand new city, uh, didn't know anyone, wasn't plugged in, kind of was just shaky with jobs and all these things, and so I was at this place in life where my plans of what I had expected and where I would be that's not where I was at. And, and so I was just left with uneasiness. I was left with all these questions of, of God, what, what do you have going for me? What's, what's ahead of me? What's around me? Like, where do I walk? Where do I? And so I was, just, I was filled with these questions of direction and uneasiness. And so I just wonder how many of you are in that place right now? Maybe how many of you have ever felt uneasy? Or how many of you have, have just felt when you, you look at the future, when you even look at your faith and you look at God, you just feel overwhelmed. And you're like, this is, this is too much. I can't understand it. I'm, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. And maybe let me ask it this way on the flip side of that. Maybe if you were in a situation like I was in, how many of you have just felt totally at peace, totally calm and, and totally confident that God was going to just take over? And so this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about just the, the concept and the idea of what it looks like to live complete in the incomplete. What it looks like to live complete in the incomplete. And so would you just join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, this psalm. I pray now that you, um, that the students would just ask you to, to speak in this, this time, Lord, that they would hear from you, Lord, and that you would just, um, these words would just sink into their hearts, God. So I pray that you would um, do that in this time. They would do that in this time. And Father, I ask that you would 
speak through me, that you would um, just quiet our hearts this morning and just give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So uh, today we are going to be in Psalm 131. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and crack it open there. If you have any notes, you can go ahead and open them. So Psalm 131, it's really only a few verses, but this psalm, um, it is written by David. And so um, many of you have heard of David. You know maybe a lot of the things of his life and parts and pieces. However, uh, for our sake this morning, I'm just going to go over quickly um, kind of a recap of a lot of David's life. So David, um, he was born in Israel, and at the time he was born, uh, King Saul was ruling and reigning. And so um, God had appointed Saul to be king, um, and so he, he reigned for a while. But then there was a moment in King Saul's reign that he was unfaithful. And so God had, from that moment, planned in the future to raise up a new king of Israel. And so at this point, David's like 12 or 13, and he's, he's out as a shepherd just in the field. But God directs uh, this, this guy named Samuel, this prophet, to go and, and seek out this new future king of Israel. And so he, he comes to David's house where all his brothers are, and, and he's like, nope, 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 nope. And then he says, go get David, bring him in. And so they call him from the, the pasture that he's in, uh, shepherding, and they call him home. And Samuel anoints him and says, God has chosen you to be the future king of Israel. And so this is, I just, I had to pause right here because, man, it would be maybe so, it would be so nice if, like, just imagine you're, you're working your job at Wendy's or you're, you're busting tables, you're at the golf course, and someone just is like, hey, you need to come home. I'm like, okay. And then, then you get home, and there's this random dude, and he's like, I want you to know this is God's plan for your life. Hey, you're going to be a CEO in the future. Hey, you will be pastor of this church. Hey, you're, th- this is what your life will entail. I just want you to know God's got it, and here's the plan. Like, that would be so nice, and, and that, that has not happened to me. Um, and if it's happened to you, you are one of the very lucky few. Um, but we are left with a place where we are forced to ask the question, God, where are we going? What would you have for me? What's your will for me? Which direction do I walk? And, and, and what do I do in this time? And so we are, we are left in this place of incomplete, unfinished, and uncertain. And so just as we walk through the, the next half of David's life, because this is his psalm, right? Um, the, the next half looks like this. So they, they send him back out to the pasture. He, he now knows he's going to be the future king, and he, he goes back to doing his job. Um, but then Saul, at this time, he's, he starts having these nightmares and these things, and so he, he's like talking to his, his servants, his boys, and he's like, hey, I need someone to play me some music so that I can kind of sleep at night, basically. And so do you know anybody? And it just so happened that David had been giving out mixtapes and that one of these servants had heard that mixtape and he's like, yo, Saul, David, he's a killer harpist. You need to like bring him on. And so David, it is his big break. He gets, he gets put in this position that he is the sole musician that will just play concerts for Saul. He'll play the lyre for Saul. And so uh, he gets instated, not as a shepherd now, but now he's, he is just this musician in Saul's palace for him. And so he's living here for a while, right? He's in this spot. Time keeps going on. And then um, Israel at the time, they're at war. They're at, in a battle and in this a disagreement against the Philistines. And so maybe this is another story that you guys are familiar with. 
David and Goliath, right? So David and Goliath. So Goliath is this big, ugly, mean guy in the Philistines, and, and everyone's afraid of him. No one steps up to fight against him. But lowly David, unexpected, steps up, and he defeats Goliath. And so at this time, Saul fires him as his musician, but then reinstates him as a commander in his army. And so David's life, if, if he were to look back and be like, God told me I was going to be king, this is kind of like making sense. The trajectory that my life is on, like it's, it's, it's making sense. I see how this is working. Cool. I got it. But then there's this, this moment that Saul becomes jealous with David's success. And so he, he actually tries to kill David. And so David is forced in this moment to leave his kingdom, to leave the palace, leave the comfort, leave his to-be-thought, soon-to-be kingdom. And he is now a, a wanderer in the wilderness. He's forced to be in other countries, just sleeping in caves, sleeping here and there. And, and he is not where he would have been expected. He's in this place that maybe I might think it might be hard to trust but where he is in that moment is where this psalm is written and spoken and prayed to God by David. And so um, we will now open up and, and just read Psalm 131. I'll read through all of it um, just because it's short, uh, and then we'll go piece by piece. So, O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So there's a lot going on here, um, but we will just dive into the, the first part here. So it says, um, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. So what's happening here? Um, when we approach God, we can oftentimes approach him with a heart that is, that is prideful. We'll, we'll, we'll come to him and say, hey, God, um, yeah, I, I'm supposed to have this job right now, and I don't. So if, if, we could, like, if you could get working on making that happen, that'd be great. Or, hey, God, uh, my family member wasn't supposed to get sick. Like, this isn't supposed to happen. So how about we, we just fix that, um, and then things would be great, right? Or, hey, I'm supposed to have a relationship right now, God. Um, so I'm just praying that you would like do your job and make that happen. Um, and we, we approach him, and, and maybe that's not what we feel, or we have in our hearts what we say, but and sometimes that's how we approach God. We approach him pridefully, right? And so the next part of this, my eyes are not raised too high. When we approach God with eyes raised too high, we, we look at him, we look up from our plane and say, hey, I'm going to look at you eye to eye like I'm your equal, and hey, we're going to game plan this earth thing down here, and we'll figure it out together, right? And so like, we approach God in this, this prideful way where we are seeking control. We do not come to God with humility, with, with a heart that is, is lowly before him and understands his position, but we come in our anxiety, in our desire to control our lives and the things around us, in our unrest, we come to him basically just shaking him, saying, do, do what I say, answer my prayer. But David here, he, he is saying, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. Meaning, I, I, am, I know you are in control, God. I know you are the one who has this all together. I will come to you humbly. And then he says, my eyes are not raised too high. So I'm not looking above where I'm at, I'm going to look at my playing field and look at the things that are right here around me. 
I'm going to focus on what's right in front of me because I know I am down here and you are up there. And so this sentiment is uh, agreed and it kind of is showed in another verse in scripture um, that you might have heard. It's, it's in Isaiah. And so Isaiah, uh, I'll just read it for us. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So when we approach God sometimes, the way that we approach him is, is as, we're try, as we're trying to control, it's like we're trying to grip and grasp the wind. Something that can't be gripped, cannot be controlled, and is far greater than us, far above us. And what happens when we do that is there, the result is frustration. We might come to him and pray, but the result is actually greater anxiety, greater unrest. And that's because we are approaching him pridefully. But in, this, in, in Isaiah, and in the, the idea and the heart when we approach God and the way that David approaches him is, is lowly and humble, knowing that he is the one in control. And so the first thing that we need to hear um, that David's saying is just come to him humbly. So this, this next part of the psalm here, uh, psalm, verse 1, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, oh, different, uh, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And so the next thing he's saying here is we can occupy ourselves with, with things that are, are far, that are just the wrong things, that are, are so far beyond us. Um, and so when we're, we're thinking and when we're looking at our lives, we're thinking about things and asking questions that are just not, not correct for the right time, right? So maybe I'm asking a question, maybe I'm coming to God and saying, hey, I have all these decisions that I need to make, and, and uh, I'm at this crossroads, God, where I have to make this decision or this decision. It's going to determine the rest of my life, and I'm so anxious. I don't know what your will is for me. I don't know what's happening, so I need to decide right now what's happening. <laughs> and and that's, that we put this undue pressure on ourselves and, and the next thing we can do is say, hey, God, um, I have this question about you, and it's, it's, it came up, and it's so hard to understand. I can't understand it about you. And, man, if you don't answer this question for me right now, I don't think I could believe in you anymore. And so we, we just occupy ourselves with things that are so far in the future, that are so high above us. And so we're asking maybe even sometimes for God's will. We're like, God, what's your will? Give me my life plan right now. I know we've asked that question. I've asked that question. God, what's your will for me? And so I, I don't know if you guys know, but there, there are places in our lives where God has a specific will for our specific lives. But overall, God's will is actually really clear. So I don't, I don't know if you know this, but there are actually verses in Scripture that God directly says his will. So we'll just dive into a few of them here. I'll just read them for you guys. Um, so in 1 Thessalonians, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you know that? Did you know that God's will for you is that you would rejoice always? How often are you rejoicing? How often do you pray? How often do you give thanks and no matter what, how often do you give thanks at all? And here, here's another one in, in 1 Peter. It says, for this is the will of God, 
that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants to God. So how often do we, do we endure these hardships and do we stay silent, not complaining, and, be, and think of ourselves as a servant to God and, and a servant to those around us for their sake? Or here's another one, and again in 1 Thessalonians it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his or her own body in holiness and honor. And so we, we come to God and we, we ask for things, right? We pray to him, we want his direction, which is a good thing. That is a good thing that we're, we're, like, we're including God. Hey, God, show me where to go and what to do. But unfortunately, a lot of times that we ask, we ask him, and we are, we are just stooped in sin. Maybe, maybe there's a situation where we're just, just deep in pornography, or we're, we're not having self-control in the relationship we're in, or we just have anger all the time, or impatience with people around us, or we're always looking to others to complete our will. And then we come to God and say, God, I need you. Help me decide. Help me. Help guide me. Help direct me. Be, be with me. And I just think just sometimes if, if and again, this is Matt speaking, but if, if I were in that position, I would look at those prayers and say, man, I, I've, I've given you my will for you so clearly, so much of my will for you so clearly. Steps one, two, and three are lined out. Why would I give you step four when you're not even listening to what I've already given you? Because why, why would you listen to, to my will for you beyond what's already written, beyond what's already there? And so one thing that, that we need to look at here and, and is looking at what's in front of us. And so there's a, there's a piece of scripture, uh, Jesus, when he's teaching about anxiety and worry, he says, um, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And so he's saying, hey, you're worried about these huge things, but man, there's little things in front of you. Worry about those. Those, those cause enough, those have enough focus and attention needed to them alone. And so the, the first thing that we learn from David in this psalm, the first chapter, is he's saying to God, hey, I relinquish my control. I come humbly before you, I know you're the one who's in control. I am not. And so what I will do is I will focus on what's right in front of me. I will be faithful with the little that I do know to be for sure and not concern myself with the things that I do not know because the things I do know, they require my attention and they are enough for me to keep busy with. They are enough for me to be content with. And so that's, that's the first thing that we learn. And practically, this looks like when we come to God a lot of times, it looks like listening to what he's already spoken to us more than, more than speaking. And, and overall, we have this quiet confidence that we are for sure doing what we know God's plan is for our life, at least of what we're sure of. And when we do that, and when David does that here, it allows him to be full incomplete in the incomplete. So the next thing that we, we look at here um, as we continue through in verse 2, it just says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. 
All right, yeah, there's, there's some stuff going on here. Uh, let's just focus on that first part first. <laughs> so, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. So the first thing I want to notice is he's saying, but I, I have calmed and quieted my soul. So it is David's choice here to, to come before God and choose to say, God, I need you to calm me. I need you. I'm choosing to be calmed. But what we need to know here is, is it's God through David that's allowing him the strength to do this, but it is part of David that is coming to the Lord to allow him. And so I just think about a story in um, the New Testament where Jesus calms a storm. So I'm just going to read this for us. You don't have to flip there. It's in Mark. But he says, Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they, his disciples, woke him. And they said, teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And so I was, I was talking with a friend a few weeks ago, and we were, we were talking about this verse, and he was just saying, man, I wonder, reading into this verse, I, I wonder if when Jesus was speaking to the storm, he was actually speaking to the inner storm that was in the hearts of the disciples. There was a raging unrest, a raging anxiety, a raging fear going on in their hearts. They came to Jesus, and he said, peace, be still. He quieted their hearts. He quieted their souls. And he's, he's saying, hey, when you come to me, don't come to me with this raging sea in your heart. I will calm it, but come to me with faith. Come to me with rest, knowing that the one you're speaking to will listen knowing that the one you are speaking to already knows what's going on, and the one you're speaking to is in control. So you come to me with peace in your heart, and he will still our hearts when we, when we cannot on our own. But he's saying, why are you so afraid? You st- still you haven't learned that you can trust me. So the second part here um, we'll dive into, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So what's, what's going on here, right? So um, what's going on here is he's talking about breastfeeding. He's talking about a child who is being weaned. And so I just want all of us to know that there was a time in our life that uh, we were in this spot, right? And so if you're still in that spot, there's a problem. Um, but we were all there at one point, okay? And so um, breastfeeding, a child that is not yet weaned, weaned just means um, they're being taken from relying on the sustenance from their mother to no longer relying and relying on, on actual food, on, on bigger food. And so the weaning process, that's what it is. But a child that is not yet weaned, the way that they approach their mother is, is merely transactional. They, they know that they will get food and immediate satisfaction. And so that is the extent that all this, this baby and we as babies would know with our mothers before we were weaned. And so a, a, a child that is weaned will physically embrace their mother in a different way in that they no longer come to their mother for, for just that immediate satisfaction, but they're coming for a different reason. And so spiritually, when he's talking about my soul, because he says, my, my soul is like a weaned child within me. So what's, what does that mean for the soul? What does it mean to wean the soul off of anything? So the, the, what's happening is that he's saying, my soul is weaned off of self-will. It's weaned off of self-indulgence. 
It's weaned off of this idea of self-control and things of this world that I need to, quote, keep me alive. And so this, this weaning process is replaced with something that even physically, I was looking it up, I was like, how do you wean a child, right? And like, I was interested because it was, it was talking about that you don't just take it away. You don't just take away and like, oh, ha, you're crying over there and you're not happy about it. And like, no, like the mother, it, it's, it's suggested that the mother will replace it with some other form of, of supply. And so a mother will actually, during times that normally they would feed, instead a mom will just, just hold their child and be, be close to their child. And, and it replaces. And so um, this is one of the, place, the few places in Scripture that God is, is given attributes of a mother. And so we often hear that God is the father, and he is, so God is no, neither male nor female. However, uh, this is one of the very few places that instead of a father figure, he is, he's looked at as a mother. And so uh, we, all, we all know that um, even though none of us are in that place in life anymore, we've been weaned, uh, we still get comfort from our moms. And so how do I know this? Have you ever heard the term, I want my mommy? Right? Like, you hear that from toddlers. And even now as, as adults, soon-to-be adults, we, in places in our life center, we don't say it that way maybe, but we, we just think in our hearts, we're just like, man, I just want my mom. If, there's a, if any of you have a mother or mother figure in your life, you just say, man, I just want my mom. And in that time, you're not saying, man, I want something from her, right? I want her to give me something I want. my. But you come to her and you're like, I just need to be with you. I just need your presence with me because there's something about you and our relationship that just, it, it, it supplies me. And so, in the same way, it's important that we know that even if God made his will abundant and clear, or maybe he had, he had your future plans all lined out, and you knew everything that you wanted to know, and all your questions were answered, one, it would be too much for us, but two, what you need to know is that even if you knew all that, all these things that give you anxiety, if you knew all of the answers, it still would not be enough it still would not fix the unrest in your heart. And so we see that with a wean child in that he knows and he comes to God getting to experience a whole new part of who God is and that he doesn't just come to him for this, this self-will, self-seeking, but he comes to him knowing that he is enough, that he experiences God in a whole new way and has a relationship with him because he's stepped away and because he's been weaned from his heart in the world. And so now his eyes are opened to experience God as he's meant to be. And so the, the next thing that we learn from David is that knowing the answers is only second to knowing God. And more importantly, that he's able to say, Lord, you are my portion. You are enough and I come to you just needing you. So um, really, if we, we kind of recap the, next, the last two verses, so he, he first, he, the way that he is able to be complete in the incomplete is that he, he has rest, and he, he comes to God only worrying about the things that he knows he, he can worry about, right? So he's not prideful, and he's looking at what's right in front of him, and he's faithful. And the next thing he does is he says, God, I am calmed and quieted when I approach you, and I don't approach you for answers or different things, but I approach you knowing that you are enough. And so really we could sum this up in the word abide. 
David, in this psalm and in this moment, he is abiding. And so Jesus, um, he talks about abiding, and he says, as he's speaking to his disciples, abide in me and I in you. And a little later, he says, abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So he's saying, hey, if you abide in me, the result will be that you have fullness. You have joy. You don't need anything else but to worry about abiding in me. The production and everything that happens afterward, the producing, that, that'll come later. But you just need to focus and worry about what you do know. Worry about being with me and we'll worry about the rest later. I'll, I'll be in control of that and I'll make it happen. And so looking back at my life when... I was in this spot. I just got out of this relationship. I was, I was just wandering. I was unsure. I didn't know where God was, was directing me, and I just had this unrest. I, I hope that maybe if you're in a time right now similar to that, or, you, or you're going somewhere, we're always going to have times in our lives. I'm, I'm in another one right now, right? There, there are times you're always going to be asking questions. There will always be phases and decisions. What's next? Where am I going? What do I do? But I hope that you remember this psalm, that maybe you'd add it to your top 10 soundtrack, that you would come back and remember and learn from what David prayed. And so in all of this, in what he does, he, he steps out of the chaotic, unfinished world, and he steps into prayer with the Father. And in that moment, he says, God, you are in control. You are enough. There's a, a world of unfinished business out here, and there's a, a, a slew of questions that I have for you, but Lord, I don't need those answers. Man, I'd like them maybe, but you know what? You've calmed and quieted my soul. You are enough. I don't need those things because you've given me a way to be full right here, right now with you. You've given me a way to be complete in the incomplete. So the last thing that happens, the last verse, is now David steps back into the world, right, out of prayer, and he's now living from a place of rest rather than anxiety. He's living from a place of fullness in God rather than toiling and working and striving. And so the last thing he's able to do is go out to the world around him, and people see his peace. They see how he's dealing. They will see how you deal with situations that require faith. And in your time where you should be anxious and yet you have the stillness and the comfort of God, people will look at you and wonder, how are you doing that? Why, how does your life look like that? And the last thing that, that David says, he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And so he goes to those around him naturally they ask him, how are you able to have this peace? And he says, I can tell you. My God, he's enough. My God, he supplies. And in this incomplete world, I'm not enough, but he finds a way to make me full. And so he looks at the people around him. And he says, hope in the Lord with me. From now, forever. Begin living complete in the incomplete 
and take on the fullness of God in your hearts, even in the places where the world is not incomplete. And so I say to you in the same way that David says, my soul is complete. I know God is my supplier. I know he has taught me. He has weaned my soul. He has calmed and quieted my soul. And so I say to you, hope in the Lord with me. Hope in the Lord with me and let him make you full in the incomplete. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that as we live in this life of so much uncertainty, of so much questioning in, in, in places where we can grab a hold and be prideful and, and God, just have stress about anything and everything in life, be anxious and, and even come to you in that anxiety, God. Lord, but I am thankful and we ask and I ask that you would continue to calm and quiet our souls, Lord, that you would let your spirit wash over us in a time when we should have no rest. You give us complete rest in a time when we should have no peace. You say, my peace I leave with you. I do not give as the world gives. And you leave your peace with us, Father. So God, let us walk away with your peace. And in times where we forget this, let us come back to calm and quiet our souls, knowing you're the one in control. You are worthy of our trust, our admiration, and our praise. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries High School Podcast of the Chaplain Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at gsm at thechapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.